0: Our guest this week is Jason Lloyd. He is the editor-in-chief of The Athletic Cleveland. What is The Athletic Cleveland? We will explore that. It is a subscription-based sports website that has taken the sports journalism world by storm, and it's happened in a fairly short period of time. He's a former sports writer at your basic newspaper, the traditional print journalism model. And then we talked a bit about how the athletic has been able to make its way into the digital landscape and be very successful in a short period of time. He covered the Cavaliers for several seasons. He of course has worked at the Akron Beacon Journal, the Cleveland Plain Dealer. He is a very solid writer. Reporter, and if he reports something, it is absolutely a dead on lock of a story. And now, as the editor in chief of The Athletic Cleveland, he gets to explore various avenues to tell stories behind the scenes about specific aspects of sports. He kind of gets to play in the digital journalistic sandbox, and he does a great job of that. So, we talk about covering LeBron James during LeBron's second stint here in Cleveland with the Cavaliers and also talk about joining the athletic and where it is now and where he sees it going in the future. Nice conversation. Thanks very much to Jason for that. And here we go with this week's edition of Tellich Talks. Jason, I'm first of all curious about your career. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've been around each other. I've read your work. You do great work. You're an outstanding reporter. But I want to know about just the kind of the the genesis of you as a journalist, a young kid. How did that happen? Yeah, it's really funny. In
1: fact, I talked to my son's career day yesterday and went over some of this where I was laughing. They're all getting ready to take the ACT. I've I've never in my life to this day, I never took an ACT or an SAT because I wasn't going to go to college. And here I am. Uh, I, you did go to college. I did, I did. Yeah, I, I worked in a factory after high school. I was sick of school, didn't want to go to school. Worked in a factory the summer after graduation. After about three weeks, said, I got to figure out something else. <laughs> so it's funny, I worked for a, a weekly newspaper in North Ridgeville. And they were looking for a high school sports writer. And I had no clips of any kind. I had no, I had no experience. You didn't I, even
0: know how to file a story?
1: No, I didn't know anything. So I watched an Indians game and Dennis Martinez pitched. This was like 1995. Wow. And I typed up like two stories, which I would love to see today how awful they were you don't have them. no i don't have them they're burned they're long gone (laughs) and i sent them in and the editor of this little weekly paper calls me and says basically you weren't our first choice you weren't our second choice you weren't even our third choice but everyone else who applied can't do it for one reason or another so if you want the job you can have it (laughs)
0: and that was my start Is that guy now a motivational speaker? That sounds like the absolutely worst thing to tell I know, right? Tell right? I
1: know. I'm like, I didn't care. I'm like, all right, I got the job. My first game I ever covered was North Ridgeville at Olmstead Falls High School. Walked into the press box, looked around and said, I am going to do this for the rest of my life. Wow. And and I did. So I went to Loring County Community College, got my associates there, transferred to Kent. Uh, I always joke, I met Brian Winhurst at Kent, we had classes together, he went to class, I didn't, that's why he's at ESPN, and I'm not.
0: <laughs> yeah, but well, you're at The Athletic, uh, on, You man. know,
1: I, I love my job, I absolutely love my job, but yeah, so I went to Kent, finished in 2000, was hired with a semester left of school to be the Ohio State beat writer for the Lorraine Morning Journal, uh, and did that for about eight or nine years, went to the Beacon, covered the Cavs, my first day, this is funny, my first day for the for the Beacon was game five at home of the 2010 conference semis when LeBron, like, quit and was booed off the floor.
0: That was the Celtics game. Yeah, yes. Celtics.
1: That was day one for wow. me. So my nickname around the office was Hiroshima because I showed up <laughs> and, and it all up. fell apart. Yeah. So I lived all those gruesome years with uh, with no LeBron when he left, the four years when the Cavs were just dreadful. I was I, – I covered the 26-game losing streak. Yes, and you I did. And they lost – people don't re- remember. They lost 10 straight. And then they beat the Knicks at home in double overtime. And I had a family birthday party and took that night off. So I covered the 10 straight losses. Then I covered every single one of the 26. I covered 36 consecutive losses. Oh my God. It was like digging up the body and burying yeah, it again. Bad. Every It was like a funeral every night. It was awful.
0: So as a kid, what did you have any sense of what you know journalism is, could be? Were there writers, the Jim Murrays, whomever, that you idolized or looked up to or read? Or you what? know
1: who I looked I loved Jim Ingram and Hal Leibovitz because okay. I was a Westsider. I got the journal, delivered it as a kid. That was, Like I said, that was my first job. So I read that cover to cover. So I was very much local. I, I absolutely loved Jim Ingram, and I loved Hal. I would read Hal sure. religiously and Jim. So those are the guys, even more so than the legendary ones. I would read Sports Illustrated cover to cover, but for some reason, I didn't gravitate toward the names of those guys. Okay. But Because I never thought I could get, you know, I mean, that's Sports Illustrated. Right. But the local... I might be able to get there so and i i have had opportunities to leave i had job offers across the country never really wanted to do it i had opportunities to go to espn if it involved like moving to new orleans or san Mm -hmm. antonio perhaps and it i never even got that far because i was happy to be in cleveland i was happy to be here and i really had no interest in leaving
0: well it really worked out for you to get the calves beat and let's talk a little bit about that uh, for you jason having the calves beat and covering lebron having the Cavs beat and not covering LeBron, two different things, obviously.
1: Well, it's so funny that you mentioned that, because when I interviewed at the Beacon, they were hiring me and Nate Ulrich at the same time. And I remember I, w- I was a little bit older than Nate, had a little bit more experience, and I remember Ron Ledger, who now works with me at The Athletic, yeah. he hired me at, at the Beacon, and he said they were hiring for both Browns and Cavs. Okay. He said, you can have your pick, but I think I would prefer you on Cavs because... Brian Windhurst is still the Cavs rider, and he's going to demolish you for the first year. And you could probably – I've had a lot of encouragement in my career, can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> well, <let me> see. <laughs> and it was – but it was like – Why can, are you still in this business? <laughs> right, right? Everyone told me I sucked all these years. But it, it was more of a, a maturity thing that I've been through this. I can get beat every day because Brian is fantastic. He is tremendous. So I took the Cavs knowing I was probably going to get my nose rubbed in it almost every day no one expected lebron to leave back then of course and i thought yeah okay lebron's not going anywhere yeah i'll do the calves and then as we know it all fell apart and those those it was actually it was good for me because brian leaves lebron leaves nobody's paying attention to that team anymore and i kind of had like free reign around there and i developed a lot of relationships uh deep sources that like did well for me early on you kind of like embedded yourself yeah in in a a real good way it worked out really well for me and then they fired everyone. <laughs> and then LeBron came back and I was just as fresh as everybody else. So it didn't really pay off in the end. Because they, you know, I was tight with Mike Brown, they fired him. I was tight with Chris yep. Grant, they fired him. All these guys that I had relationships with, they just fired them all. So I was just as fresh. But it was funny, when LeBron came back, I was on a flight to Vegas for Summer League. Okay. And I was I think I was doing some work. I was on my computer, I was transcribing. And it was one of the flights with uh, with DirecTV, with, but I wasn't watching live television. And the guy across the aisle behind me, I thought he was having a heart attack. He's going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And he starts <laughs> screaming. And we all look around. And he was watching Sports SportsCenter. Yeah, and he want? goes, he's coming back. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. And I'm 30,000 feet in the air. There's nothing I can do. You, you're Right. You can't
0: report on No. You.
1: So I land. And I had probably, I'm not exaggerating, 45 text messages, all kinds of voicemails. My phone was just blowing up when we landed. And I didn't even go to the hotel. I just went right to the arena. And Mark Spears, who's at the Undefeated now, was at yep. Yahoo at the time. He was one of the first people I saw. And he said, get ready because your career is about to take off. And and I didn't really, I kind of dismissed it. I didn't really pay much attention to it, but it was He's the funny. first guy that says something positive to you. Yeah, right? In my entire life. <laughs> But it was funny because I'm in the gym at Summer League, and all of these agents that I had called for years and would never return my calls Hmm. suddenly were coming up to me and talking. Yeah, it's funny how that works. And and Mark was right, man. Like, everyone who has covered LeBron has landed in a better place. You know, Brian went from the Plain Dealer to ESPN.com. A bunch of the Miami guys, Ethan Skolnick was a local guy down there, went to Bleacher Report. Almost everyone who has covered him, including myself, landed in a better spot because of the – because of the the profile because everybody's reading you everybody's reading your stuff everybody you know you can a get natio- guy no it's a national story every single day
0: how did you uh fortify yourself with uh you know tips sources and all that sort of stuff in order to be fresh every day when i would i would imagine obviously the competition was really tough
1: yeah when lebron was here both locally nationally yeah when lebron was here it was really fierce uh with you know myself I was at the Akron Beacon Journal at the time. Joe Varden was at Cleveland.com. Dave McMenamin from ESPN. The three of us to this day are very good friends, but we're competitive and, and we're going after the same stories. And I sort of, with LeBron, I played the long game and everybody's coming at this guy and everybody wants a piece of him. Everybody's trying to get a couple minutes with him. I ignored him for a year. The first year he was back, I left him alone. I didn't try talking to him like one-on-one. Do you I think just, he
0: was thinking, why is this guy not?
1: I don't know, heavy? but I think he appreciated that. Like I would just leave him alone. Like there'd be times where he was sitting by himself in the chair and no one around him and I'm eight feet away and I'm not going to bother him. Yeah. I just, I just let it go. And then the second year, we have a couple more conversations. And then the third year is when we really dug in and the championship changed a lot. And, and by that point, you know, to this day, I have a great relationship with LeBron. Um, and that's not to say I wasn't hard on him because we would go at him in the locker room. Uh, I told him, I don't think I ever said this publicly, but I told him that last series that he was in, that he was in Cleveland against Indiana. I had people from around the league saying LeBron's pouting. Like he's not, he's just not playing hard. And I told him like 55 minutes on the clock before game four in Indiana, I said, you're not playing hard enough. And I said, there's a difference in, Hall of Fame and greatest of all time, and it's this. And I held my fingers like an inch apart, and I said, I can't explain it, but I know it when I see it, and you are not giving this. And he got so mad at me, he wouldn't talk to me for like three days. He said, get out of here, shut the F up. Uh, it's because I spoil y'all. And actually, that's when I knew he was gone, because that's what he said the first time he left, is yes, I spoil you. Yes, and he when did. he dropped that line on me, I, I kind of knew at that point. And, I, and he and I had conversations throughout that season, it was obvious. If you were around that team every day, at least to me, right. it was obvious. He was gone. He was not coming back. The Cavs knew it. LeBron knew it. Everybody knew that that was that was going to be it.
0: But and so as that year went on, you had all the, you know, you had all the tips in your mind. You had the, all the the feeling in your mind that this is going to take place. But you got to do your job each and every day yeah. and make it fresh. But yet every day there's another bit of clickbait from somewhere about he could land here he could do that yeah how do do you decipher not decipher filter through all that crap that kind of comes out I just didn't write it like
1: all the stuff about could he go here could he go there I didn't write any of that the only thing I wrote was one day it was a morning shoot around we were on the road somewhere and I said and I asked it was just he and I and I said hey is three teams too many is that too many for a legacy and he said absolutely not he said man if you'd have told me Michael Jordan was going to put on any jersey other than the Bulls, True. I'd have told you you're crazy. And he said, now, if you get to, you know, five, six, seven jerseys, there there is a point where it gets to be too much. But he said, absolutely not. In this day and age, three is not too many. And that's when, that was another sign where I knew, like, hey, I, I know exactly where this is headed. Mm-hmm. And we would have conversations about that. I told him in Toronto one night after a bad loss in Toronto, and he was headed for the shower. And we were having a conversation, and I said, I it's been a great four years I've had a lot of fun I'm going home and he knew what I was saying that was like this is over and you're leaving he goes man shut up I hate you man shut up I hate you (laughs) so we it was a lot of those type of conversations where it was just it was a couple seconds here a couple minutes there and over the course of six months it adds up and it was I told my the founders of our company at the athletic the lat because we're in our company's headquarters in San Francisco and i said i don't know where he's going but i know he's not coming back here he is gone and they said we're not asking you to move but i'm telling you we will send you wherever he goes we will move you there and i said and again i'm i love cleveland i said no i'm i'm good where i'm at or else we could i could be in la today
0: but i'm i'm I'd rather be in Cleveland. I might be the only one I'd rather be in Cleveland L.A. Well, I think you also probably uh, – the day-to-day stuff kind of can be a grind. And I think you've, got, you've gotten to the position now, your your cachet you have with your career and with the athletic where you're not chasing the daily – like we just had – we're here in Berea and we just had Baker Mayfield get yep. upset at Tony Grossi. Yep. Tony's been dealing with this for, you know, 35, 40 years. God bless him. Yeah, God bless him. Uh, and so you're not dealing with that. What is that like for you to kind of not pick and choose, but kind of formulate in your mind what projects you want to
1: work on? It's a huge relief, really, more than anything, because covering the NBA, man, covering the NBA is a grind. And just look at the schedule. The year they won the championship, I believe they played 110 games the year of the championship. And I think I did 106 of the 110. Oh, man, give you a medal. And it's, it's home for two days. It's gone for three. It's home for three. It's gone for four home for 3 gone for 8 it's just in and out in and out in and out and i'm married with 3 kids and that's you know if it, if you're young and single it's great but if you got a family at home that's that's hard and you're and you're never off the clock especially when you were talking about lebron you're never off you are on constantly and you know it was my wife or my mom or somebody was joking that she said looking at pictures the four years LeBron was here said you age 10 years in the four years LeBron was here
0: look what he does
1: to us Uh, it's it it really is man (laughs) I mean you know I can't imagine being the GM or the coach of the team and having to deal with him because just even our role around him is exhausting and that's part of the reason like I said I love the guy to this day I have a great relationship with him he's crazy I'm done like I I did my time with him I'm done
0: what was it like? Uh, and I was I was around not obviously not as much as you, but I have to cover all the teams in town too. Mm-hmm. When he would go kind of worldwide comment for a day, whether it was on social justice or on uh, I remember the time he talked about his worried about his son getting behind a, a car uh, driving a car and being pulled over, being a young black kid in yep. in America. Yep. What was that like when he would pop one of those some of those? Big liners, up that everybody wanted to hear about.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> we knew.
0: I mean, you knew you could go to him for for his reaction to stuff.
1: Yes, and and I'll take it to. That, that's a, that's a really good put, way to put it. You could go get his reaction on things. We were in Orlando the day before or the day of the 0-16 parade here, and no one had asked him about it. And I said, and it was before the game, and I said, hey, I want to ask you about this, but I'm gonna ask you after the game. And I said, are you comfortable talking about it? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll talk about it. And he was fantastic after the game. He goes, man, I thought it was hilarious. He said, because we had the real parade and they had the parody parade. He said, it's like, you know, Scream. I love the movie Scream. And then they made all those parodies of the Scream movie. Nothing can match Scream. Right? Yeah, that was the parody parade for our <laughs> real parade. And, he, and it, it, it's stuff like that. You could hit him with anything. And I'm his last year here. You know, the the league can chart everything now, and he was the slowest player
0: in miles Oh, I remember you wrote something hour. to that. Effect.
1: Yeah, and I said, hey... You are the slowest player on. That just really pissed him off, and if so I would love to like just grab him by the scruff of the neck and aggravate him with stuff like that and say, "You are the slowest player in these playoffs."
0: He's like, "See how tired I am afterwards." And then come talk to me. But so, you only did that because you knew you'd get a ride. Because I could out get away with it, yeah, and get away with yeah. it too, and be able to ask him something similar well,
1: yeah. two weeks from then. If somebody else asked him that, they'd probably get kicked out of the locker room. But because of the relationship that we had, I could take things to him. Uh, it could be very serious matters. It could be playful things. I, I give him a lot of credit for as uh, intelligent as he is, given what he came from and yeah. the background that he has. The it's and it's all. really remarkable story. Oh, the school, to me, and I told, I was talking to his publicist one day, Adam Mendelssohn, and I said, like, this stuff belongs on the cover of Time and on 60 Minutes, what they're doing with that school in Akron. You know, I talked to some of the moms that uh, went through his program to get their GDE. Okay. And like any parent of a child in his program who doesn't have their GDE GED, he'll get it for him. Like
0: he'll, he won't get it for him, but they, they gives them the opportunity to earn it. He's changing lives. He is. He really is. All right, let's go now and talk about where you are employed, the athletic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can recall maybe four, three, four four years ago hearing Richard Deitch, SI's uh, sports media podcast do an interview with the guys that kind of were the genesis of this. And uh, I think they were in Toronto at the time. Yeah. Uh, of course, you know, the whole history. Um, what about the model subscription and all of that, that y- uh, you believe is a, is a sustainable thing? <clears throat> the way it's
1: gone on to this point is not sustainable. Okay. So I looked at this and said, this has to work because we have no other, we have no other choice. And the way that newspapers approach the internet dating back to you know the late 90s and, and 2000 no and it was like i had somebody tell me this and i thought this was really wise it's like you could go buy a newspaper off the newspaper stand or you can get it for free on the internet it's yeah. like you can go buy a bottle of beer or you can get the can for free right so what are you gonna do right and and newspapers have just never been able to figure out how to monetize uh the internet and i say that with like a broken heart because I'm a newspaper guy. Right. Like I, you know, I spent 20 years in newspapers, and I, it's funny. I almost didn't even meet with with Adam Hansman, the co-founder, and they had been after me for a few months, and I was kind of ignoring them. I I took i took one of their calls, and again Brian Winhurst and I were driving back from Sacramento to San Francisco, and this was this was probably January. It was January of 2017. We were out on a West Coast trip. It was Martin Luther King weekend. And we were talking about our books. He had a book coming out on the Cavs Championship. I had a book coming out and we we're kind of comparing notes. And we pulled into the lobby of the Marriott in San Francisco. And I said, hey, by the way, have you heard anything about this company called The Athletic? And he had never heard of it. I'd never heard of it. Tim Bontemps from Washington Post was in the car. He'd never heard of it. And I said, they're, they're like trying to talk to me, but I don't think I'm going to meet with them. And Brian's like, we've been in the car for an hour and a half, and you wait until now to bring this up. Meet with them. What do you have to lose? Just meet with them. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Okay, I'll meet with them. Brian Winhor, career counselor. Exactly. <laughs> and so I emailed Adam, and I was like, okay, I'm you know, we set up this meeting to go to a Starbucks around the corner from where the Cavs are practicing. I'm in my head. You got 15 minutes. Like, I'll hear you out. Two and a half hours later we were still sitting in Starbucks and I walked out going, I'm actually gonna do this. I'm gonna make the biggest drastic career jump. And a lot of people thought it was career suicide. Like it was almost like an intervention. People in the industry saying, like, what are you doing? Like but you were they throwing your seeing career what away. What was
0: going on around them? And yeah, the no
1: papers and stuff? No one had ever heard of the athletic. Yeah. No one no one knew anything about this. Nobody knew what it was. It was in, it launched in Chicago. The second market was Toronto. We were the third market. Cleveland was the third market. So Nobody knew other than it was a paywall. That's all anybody knew, and, and paywalls to that point were like, nobody, who, who's going to subscribe for news? Nobody's going to do that when I have a Twitter account. <laughs> and and so the approach that we've taken, obviously, is, is try to be very different from what you get right. for free because why would you pay for what you could get for free? So we try and make it a little bit more, a little deeper, a little bit more well-reported. We're We're not going to bombard you with 15 stories a day. We may have one or two brown stories, and that's it. Uh, But hopefully, they're well-sourced, they're thoughtful, they're well-reported, and there's a little bit more meat to it.
0: And it seems like from those first three markets, Cleveland being the third, it's just from that point, it was like a mushroom cloud. It's just blown up. How many markets is it in now, Jason?
1: Over 45 markets across three countries. We're in the U.S., Canada, and Europe. Uh, We have offices in San Francisco, New York, and London, and... It's uh, when, when we launched Cleveland March 1st of 2017, I was in Boston the, the, the morning we pressed go on the site. And Adam Hansman and Alex Mather, the co-founders, told me, by the end of the year, everybody's gonna know about us. Everybody's gonna know who we are. We are going to be everywhere. And they were right. They have delivered on everything that they have ever promised me. Like, they have, they have, they've come through on it. I have nothing but high praise for them, for the company. It's a great place to work. I love the staff that we've assembled,
0: and uh, you know I, I hope that's where I retire from. Mm-hmm. Do you, uh, uh, knowing that young people have grown up on the internet and they've gotten stuff for free that's mm-hmm. in their DNA? You know, are they the toughest one to kind of convince that you can spend a few bucks, you're going to get some quality, as opposed to the older folks who've had half their life where there right. was no internet? Actually, the younger crowd has not been as tough to crack as I
1: okay. thought because they're used to paying for Spotify. They're used to paying for Netflix. They're used to paying for content. So if it's something the, – the, the bigger problem we have with the younger generation is YouTube. Okay. And just – you know, again, I was at my son's career day, and they're all—they're getting all their news on Instagram and YouTube. So, it, but people who enjoy to read, who who enjoy like sitting down and spending 15 minutes reading a story, 20 minutes reading a story, we have gotten rave reviews. Our renewal rate, our first year in Cleveland from year one to year two, was over 90%, which is unheard of in this model. Uh, our as a as a company as a whole, now that we've been around for a few years, we're still over 80%. Subs are up over 600,000. The projections were to hit a million by the end of the year. I don't know that we'll get there or not. And they were talking a million last year. And I was like, boy, that's awfully aggressive. And Adam told me, okay, and if we don't get there, so what? If we have 800,000, so what? That's still really good. Yeah, Yeah, so my whole thought in going there was I thought we were all going to trend this way eventually with paywalls and subscription sites and everything else. And we would be so far ahead of the field by the time everyone else came out that we would have the field lapped. And and I don't worry anymore. I used to worry all the time, like I you know, I signed a a two year deal when we first launched. It's like I could be driving an Uber in two years. I I don't know. I don't know if this if this is gonna work or not. And I don't worry about that anymore. We we are going to make it. And I I think a lot of people still expect us to fail. I think some people kinda root for us to fail because of some of the stuff that's come out at times. We're not going anywhere. We're gonna be around for a long time.
0: And you're getting to the point now where when news is broken, there are times where you might see the crawl on the bottom end of ESPN or Fox Sports or whatever, the, the athletics so-and-so yeah. reports. Yeah. And that's how you get that cachet, right, that that. that yeah. credibility.
1: Ken Rosenthal joining <laughs> us was the was like rocket fuel okay. to, to the entire company. When Ken came on, Ken's fantastic he is. In, in baseball, and he kind of had a little loophole in his contract. Ken was a Fox employee, but there was nothing in his contract about his writing. It was only for TV. So when Fox Sports did away with all the writing and, and, and went yeah, to video, this video stuff. Yeah. Then it became he was a free agent. And it be, you know, like they just picked him up off the street. It was it was so easy to do and, and Peter Gammon's another great baseball yeah. writer and just picked him up off the street. He was a free That's agent. So hockey hockey was actually our biggest kind of engine when we first started because there's such a lack of hockey coverage out there. That hockey fans gravitated to us instantly, so we built a really strong, a really strong base cool. off our hockey. And then when Ken came on, it elevated baseball to a whole other level. And then we got Shams on NBA. He's tremendous. Yeah. So they've got some big name newsbreakers out there, uh, some really well known personalities, and it's I have it's been it's it's not company speak. It's been a fantastic ride. Congratulations
0: to you. Thank you so much. Thanks once again to Jason for the great interview and also great piece of advice for young people getting into the business. Do something unique. Be your own person. Come up with an angle to a story that you believe no one else is working on and then work that as hard as you can and then put out your product. And more times than not, you'll be very, very successful with that model. So best wishes to Jason, the folks over at The Athletic. I've been a subscriber since they popped into my line of sight when they came on in 2017. Best of luck to you guys, and thanks for listening to this edition of Tellage Talks. We'll see you down the road.